Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender. And today we're going to be talking about Abigail Abercrombie. Yes. Yes. I was like, uh, we were just literally joking about this, that anytime I hear Abercrombie, I automatically, you know, the... Uh, the store, Abercrombie. Well, millennial side of me that exists goes to like going to the mall and just seeing Abercrombie. <laughs> um, but this is kind of, I guess she's known as like the Alabama witch. Mm-hmm. But yes. But that was our case. And I'm excited to hear about. Yes, we are going to apologize in advance for the Hot Mess Express today. Uh, we got a lot of things going against us. Trish is covering, recovering from a cold. I knocked out my other front crown. They're repairing the roof at my apartment complex, <laughs> so you might hear a bit of that. Um, yeah, we're just going to do the best that we can and have fun while we're doing it. That's oh, yeah. the most important part. But thanks for riding along it. Riding along on the Hot Mess Express today. Toot toot. <laughs> Welcome back to another round of bartending with your bartender, Trish. And for today's drink, I know we've been doing a lot Halloween-themed, but it is also fall. So this one I'm going to do today, I found online, and they call it the Crown Royal Pecan Pie. And it's really simple, and it tastes, like, really good, actually. Um... You, I will say you have to like whiskey because you do definitely taste the crown. But it is one ounce of crown royal, one and a half ounces of pecan praline liqueur. Yum. Mm -hmm. And then a half ounce of vodka. We don't have regular vodka right now. I forgot to pick some up. So I used whipped and I think it just kind of makes it a little sweeter, which I'm not complaining about. And if you feel like it and you have some, you can put some pecans in your drink too. But all you do is they just say pour it all over ice, give it a little stir. You can't, like I said, you can do some pecans. You can even put some whipped cream if you really want to. And you just enjoy. Like I said, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's a sweet little whiskey drink and definitely give it a shot. Let us know what you think. All right. This is going to be a short and sweet episode because I could only find one article about this. I found several articles, but they were all the same article quoted over and over again. So while most of us are aware of the Salem witch trials to some extent, few have heard the story of the Alabama witch trial. Just to touch on Salem a bit, I believe we're going to touch on this at the last call too, so I'm just going to do like a brief history. Um, the Salem Witch Trials were held in Colonial Massachusetts in 1692 to 1693, 
more than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, the devil's magic, but only 20 of whom were actually executed. I thought far more than that got executed, nope. but 20. I'm very dramatic and I like to exaggerate in my mind, so I'm not shocked that I distorted the facts. <laughs> Eventually, the colony did admit the trials were a mistake and compensated the families of those convicted, but the damage was done and a huge blemish was left on our history. Those trials were not the end of the prosecution of witches. 135 years later, in the early days of Alabama history, in what is now known as Russell County, a woman was accused and hung as a witch. At the time, the area was rural and inhabited in a large part by the Creek Indians, and around this time, Columbus, Georgia was just being established as a city. So this is very early on. The Western Territory of Alabama only had a few white men living on land that had been purchased from the Creek Indians. One of the earliest properties belonged to a man named Claymore, and it was known as Claymore Plantation, and it still is today. Although the plantation that, there, that is still there today is far smaller than the original plantation, but, like I said, they still use the same name, and you can find it at Brickyard Road around the old Field, Creek, Field Crest Mills, if you know where that is. Thanks to research by formal Russell County historian John T. Smith, the story of the witch being hung in 1828 survives for students of local history to ponder, whether it's a true story or just folklore. So this is a direct quote from John T. Smith's book. The hired overseer who directed the slaves at Claymore Plantation was a middle-aged bachelor named Abercrombie. He married a young lady named Abigail and died mysteriously shortly thereafter. This event caused much concern and wondering about Abigail Abercrombie because this was the third man that she had married that died mysteriously shortly after the marriage. Also, when Abigail came to Claymore, all of the cats just disappeared. That's suspicious. But also, I'm getting Tom Brady and Giselle vibes. <laughs> if you know, you know. And if you don't know, hop in our inbox and we'll tell you about it. Back to the book. Qualified overseers were not easily enticed to wilderness plantations, and old man Claymore was very upset at losing Abercrombie. He personally started an investigation into the background of Abigail. His Inquiries soon revealed several weird things in Abigail's past. Cats had also disappeared at her previous places of residence. She had no record of a childhood. She had just appeared one day. She could make little children forget about bad things that happened to them. I wish that I had ran across this woman. Old man Claymore reviewed the evidence with the family and heads of neighboring plantations. Abigail was a witch. In the absence of law and authority, this was then wilderness, old man Claymore pronounced the traditional sentence, death and vertical burial. So to explain the vertical burial, because that's not a normal thing. Yeah. We're, we're, you're usually buried hor hor horizontal. Yes, that word. I have not even been drinking today. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have not been drinking. Maybe that's the problem here. Um... But the reason behind the vertical burial was many believed at the time that if a witch was buried in the horizontal position, that the witch could return to extract revenge on those who passed sentence on them. 
Burying a witch in the vertical position, standing upright, prevented the witch's return to this earth. Which I feel like is a little backwards, because if they have powers, then couldn't they just, like, shoot out the ground? <laughs> Fly straight up out the ground like that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They believed what they believed back then. Back to the quote from the book. Quote, a suitable tree limb was chosen and a vertical vertical grave was dug a crowd gathered and she was strung up by the neck to hang over the grave for three hours the time was almost up and someone was preparing to cut the rope when fire came out of the sky and burned the rope to nothing abigail hit the bottom of the grave with a thud the grave was covered and the issue settled or so they thought time proved that abigail's grave should be marked because nothing ever grew in the dirt that covered her grave Old Man Claymore took this and the fire from heaven as God's approval upon his actions. On his deathbed, he decreed that an appropriate iron fence be erected around the site as an eternal memorial as to how witches should be treated. It is actually still there today. So if you want to go visit that, Trish, I will go with you. <laughs> I am volunteering to go to a potentially haunted spot. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of the quote from the book. And John T. Smith says he could not locate the origin or author of the story, but he did locate the iron fence, a six foot square near an old oak tree off Brickyard Road on what was once the Claymore Plantation. And as John T. Smith requested, if anyone has information on Abigail Abercrombie other than what is related in the story, please contact me. Whether the story is true or folklore is still a question to be answered. However, the existence of the iron fence gives some credence to the tale. And if nothing else, this is a fantastic tale for Halloween and the state of Alabama. So like I said, short, sweet, to the point. I had never heard the story of the Alabama witch. Like I had... I didn't grow up in Alabama. I grew up in Mississippi. We're kind of sister states. But I do know in Mississippi that Natchez has a history of witches. And I intend to cover that at some point. But it's another one that's hard to find information on. But I was pretty intrigued that Alabama had a history with witches too. Because that's not something that you would ever... I mean, I feel like everybody has a story. Something. An old white man trying to get rid of a young white lady. Imagine that. Somebody that isn't conforming to society. Oh my gosh. She's a witch. <laughs> I am, sir. Thank you. A woman in total control of herself. It's one of my favorite songs right now. I'm sorry for being lame. But anyways, we will kick you off to the last call. Hope you enjoyed this little short story today. And yeah. Alright, welcome to another Last Call, and like Sloan said, we're going to be talking about the Salem Witch Trials. I'm not going too in-depth because I do plan on talking about this at another point. It'll probably be on Patreon because I'm going to probably tie it in with the haunted stuff because there's a bunch of haunted stuff in Salem. But... Some of the Sloan's already kind of touched on, but I'm just going to retouch on it. So, the infamous Salem Witch Trials began during the spring of 1692 after a group of young girls in Salem Village, Massachusetts, 
claimed to be possessed by the devil and accused several local women of witchcraft. Those girls that claimed to be possessed were nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, who was actually the daughter and niece of Samuel Parrish, who is the minister there. So <laughs> you have somebody that's related to, you know, the minister who, sure, you can say the mayor or whatever is probably the most powerful, but back then, no, no, the church, <laughs> whoever was the leader of the church was there definitely... Was there was no separation yes. <laughs> of church and government. So Elizabeth and Abigail apparently began having fits, including violent contortions and uncontrollable outbursts of screaming. They were diagnosed by a local doctor named William Griggs of bewitchment. Sure, I'll just call it a temper tantrum. <laughs> Acting out, being a teenager. <laughs> I mean, it's possession. Right. <laughs> a wave of hysteria spread and caused a special court to be like convened in Salem to hear these cases. And depending on kind of like what you follow, the first like witch that was a woman called I'm I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it I think it's like Tatuba but she was like basically um she was just the first like to admit to witchcraft but she was not really executed because she like admitted to it and then she was also just like yeah, this person's a witch. This person, like, she was like she an was, informant. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> the first witch that was actually convicted and executed was Bridget Bishop, who was hanged. And 18 others followed her to the gallows, while some... 150 more men, women, and children were accused over the next several months. Um, animals were not spared from the trials. People believed that um, animals could be possessed by the devil, too. And, unfortunately... Hey, when they get the zoomies, <laughs> they might as well be possessed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> My cats, I swear... They sound like two grown men <laughs> when they go through that house. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> but unfortunately, there were two dogs that were killed based on suspicion of witchcraft during the trials. Was like poor, babies. poor babies. So we've all heard about burning witches and that. But actually in Salem, they didn't burn people at stake they they chose to like hang them they were hung and did but there was one man that was the only exception and his name was uh giles Corey. he refused to stand trial and 
He refused to stand trial, stand for trial. He believed the court had already decided his fate, and he didn't want his property to be confiscated upon his verdict of being found guilty. Because he refused to comply with the court, he was given the sentence of being pressed to death. He was stripped naked and covered with heavy boards, large rocks, and boulders where were then laying like on the planks, and they slowly crushed him. Which I, I've been to Salem, and I've done one of the tours. I do remember them talking about this, and I think they even take you to the spot that they think it happened in. And I'm just like, not the way to go, dude. No. <laughs> Ugh. So, by September of 1692, the hysteria began to subside, and public opinion actually turned against the trials. Though um, so the match- Massachusetts General Court later annulled guilty verdicts against accused witches and granted addendamenta. I can never say this word. Indemnities? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Basically, like, they granted, like, stuff to the families to, like, I guess you could say, like, retribution or something. I don't know. But bitterness lingered in the community, and the painful legacy of the Salem witch trials would endure for centuries. And, I mean, that's still, like, if you go today, you have people that... <laughs> There, there's people that are, like, proud of, like, kind of history, and then there's ones that are like, yeah, this happened, we're not, we're not that thrilled that it happened, but. Let's move on. Yeah. So, like I said, today you can actually visit Salem and see the sites of the witch trials for yourself. There's many different museums and tours and stuff. Also, if you watch Hocus Pocus, um, you can definitely, you can visit, um, Allison's house from there. Also, the I want to say the Witch Museum is used in it. It's the big black like house there. Um, but yeah, there's different ones that you'll drive by and you'll be like, oh. And then there, I think, I think the house. There's a house that's like right around the area that's not technically considered in Salem that is also used in that movie. I don't remember. It's been a few years since I've been there, but I definitely want to go back because we did not get to do everything we wanted to because we went with my friend, like, Sarah's sister, Debbie, who... Debbie is the middle child, and she she was the middle child before she was the middle child. She wants to... She She's always felt like she's been, like, the forgotten one, so she, like, basically makes herself be the center of attention, whether it's in a good way or a bad way. And so, like, it would be nice to go without the bickering. (laughs) Let's go. I'm down. I would love to go. Especially now, because there's even more shops that have opened up along, like, the, like, main, like, strip, strip, I, oh, and I, 
there's this one shop that we like we just stopped in we didn't buy anything but they had some of the cutest like the like retro like dresses mm-hmm. i would love to get some well i guess we're going back <laughs> so if we have any listeners near there let us know <laughs> we can do a little meetup or something right but like I said, I didn't want to go too into detail about things just because, like I said, I do eventually plan on doing something about this. So, a deep dive. Yes. But that is, I guess, our case and our last call. Nice, short, sweet little episode. But we hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on our socials. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. They are all tequila she wrote across the board. You can also email us with any cases, cocktails, liquors, last calls, hellos, <laughs> I love yous. That is tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had enough time for, for a sip and she ended it. I was like, oh no, I'm mid like trying to take a gulp. <laughs> and then I sip. <laughs> Very loudly. Uh, we also have our Patreon set up for as little as $2 a month. You can go there, get ad-free episodes. You also get a bonus episode. And then if you pay a little more, you get some more bonus content. Sloan does a Ruining Paradise. I do a Haunted. It's all up to you on how much you want to pay and what all extra content you want. Easiest way to find us is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. Or you can go to our, like, I think, I know it's for sure on, like, our Instagram, but it should be on pretty much all of our socials. Go to our link tree, and you can click on that. You'll have a little link for our Patreon, and it should send you directly to the page. If you're having trouble finding it, let us know. We will try to, to uh, try to direct you there the best we can. And I guess with that being said, we will catch you next time. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>